Hey, this is John Torrey, co-host of the Culture Classroom, and I just want to tell you a little bit about what to expect with Season 3 coming up. First of all, Coach Weaver and I have been so grateful for the response from Season 1 and Season 2, and this thing is only growing and getting momentum, and there's a lot more we can talk about when it comes to culture. Joining us in the classroom throughout this season, Season 3, are going to be people like Coach Adam Matheson, who's doing amazing things with the left coast offense in Washington. And then there's also going to be Coach Kurt Hines, who, if you aren't familiar with Coach Hines, go find him on Twitter. He posts things daily that talk about how you can bring your program to a championship level and build people up along the way. And don't miss Brian Kite, who will be joining us this season, where we're going to talk about E plus R equals O, your response to an event equals the outcome. Uh, All of this coming up on Season 3 of The Culture Classroom. It's going to be bigger and better. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Joining us in the classroom today with the head football coach of Savannah High School in Savannah, Missouri. That's Coach Randy Schrader. Get ready for a fun-filled episode with a lot of material that coaches can take away from an experienced coach. Now in the classroom is the head coach of Savannah High School, Randy Schrader. Us now, <laughs> we don't want you to hold anything back. All right, well, we'll do the best we can. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> so, Coach Schrader, uh, this is John Weaver. He hey, is John. a, a uh, football coach, track coach down in Mississippi. Phenomenal leader, culture builder. Uh, I think you guys will get along real well. Super, Coach. Are you doing any of the? Uh, you're a track guy. You doing any of the feed the cat stuff? Uh, look, we embraced that this year. We did that, did and uh, I told our guys, I said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna train fast, be fast when I want you to be fast. But other than that, I want you to walk around, take it take it light. We were the fastest we've ever been." I'll be dang. I just wrote uh, Coach Holler an email, uh, asked him some questions about that because we're going to implement that this year throughout our strength and conditioning program. I've uh-huh. just been trying to get as much information as I can on that. I'm a less is more guy. I mean, you know, I, I, I the longer I've been in this, I really moved the needle that way. So that, it makes sense. There's some things I don't, I'm not sure about, but uh, right. yeah, we're going to give a lot of that a try. Cool. We were just talking about Brad Dixon. I don't know if you caught his session uh, at the Southeast Iowa coaches clinic, but that's all they do. Like they take the field 18 minutes before kickoff. They do very little full contact throughout the week. Uh, I think he said that he gives his, they calls it cage the uh, cage, the tiger or whatever, but cage your defense. They get two live reps a week against the scout team. O. so he'd be a great resource. That's not too far from you to, to do more of that feed the cat stuff. Yeah. He beat me up on the table over there. He did that RPR on me. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. <laughs> he beat the hell out of me. So, yeah. And we've instituted the RPR. One of our coaches went and got certified. So we do that 
in our pre-practice now. Nice. Okay. For the team. So yeah, we've embraced that completely. I just, I'm having a hard time with the, uh, applying it to a football practice right now, the feed to cap philosophy. I'm just, I'm struggling with that a little bit, but we've cut our practice time down. I haven't been in full pads since probably 2008. Yeah. We don't do well, full pads either. We're, no. we go shoulder pads. And then what we did is we cut our old game pants off yeah. and we just wear thigh pads and, we go, we go hour 45, two hours max. Yeah. And that's and, kind of where we're at. We've been all summer at 90 minutes. Yeah. Twice okay. a week. 90 minutes, uh, half shell in Missouri. So you get 20 contact days in the summer. Oh, wow. So you and padded contact days. Wow. Oh, wow. And, I don't, and I don't know if I agree with that or not. You know, I think there's, you know, again, you know, it's sometimes you get a little crazy, but, uh, yeah, we're shells and, and girdles and shorts and have been for, well, I think my third year at Rockford College when I decided to go that route. Yeah. And I've been that way ever since. Yeah, you know, we haven't been to the ground in a practice in, what, eight years? Yeah, we least. tell our guys to stay up as well. You always hear yeah. our coaches saying, stay up, stay up, stay up. And especially, I'm, I coach the wide receivers. I'm like, don't you go low on my receivers. Don't you? Well, you like coaching for me then, wide receivers. I never throw the football. You don't like throwing the football? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> It's, it's a- different up here in the north, Coach. Look, ARB has been grounded. <laughs> There's no more inverted. That was inverted. Mm-hmm. Grounded. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's that Midwest, man. And it's in November and it's snowing and blowing. Yeah. And you got a ground and bound. But now we're pistol spread, Coach. We do throw it around. We uh, got a pretty nifty quarterback. So look, you, you were heavy on my heart there. I was like, wow. This but is- there was a time, there was a time when the forward pass was taboo. Yeah, there was well, there three things that could happen, and two of them were bad, and all that yes, stuff. Doherty. That's exactly right. <laughs> I've lived that philosophy for years. Double wing, freaking smash mouth, beat you up, wing T. Oh, yeah. We yeah. threw it forward. But the fans stood up and they gave us a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Coach Schrader, uh, Coach Torrey's told me a lot about you. We've had some conversations, and and with us getting into season three, you're you're a must-have on our show. And uh, some of the things that, that he's told me about that you spoke at at a clinic, uh, Coach, those are gold. Um, well, so. I've been around a little. You know what? I, I'm just an old, beat-up guy that just keeps hanging around. I can't get <laughs> I can't get away from this stuff. 35 years, I sat down when you called me, uh, Coach, and said about this. And I thought, Jesus, how long have I been doing this? This is my 35th year. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible coaching or education, and uh, I tell you, I, I just you uh, when you've been in it that long, you don't you don't realize it till you really start putting pen to pencil or pen to paper and say, yeah. "Coach, how long have you been doing this?" It's like I should have been a truck driver, really. <laughs> have been, but uh, yeah, twenty. This is my twenty ninth going my twenty ninth years as a head coach and thirty five in education. Wow. Well, you, you you say you haven't been to the ground in practice since two thousand eight. I mean, that's over a decade. That's you know really. <laughs> we were laughing about that one time i said you know i tell the kids you know different music of this i you know i and i talk i said hell it's the hell i had that is an eight track tape that song you're listening to i, I got the eight track tape at home they look at me like i'm crazy what's an eight track tape coach <laughs> well i'm gonna bring one i'm gonna show you that's right so, <laughs> they might not even know what a tape is these days <laughs> it's it is wow you know if i'd have stayed in one place i'd be teaching you know i would have had dads and probably some granddads too you know in that ground so much that uh i kind of try to outrun my past at times but we'll see what happens 
that's one of the things I appreciate about you is that you've never really stayed at one spot for a while. You're a builder. You kind of go somewhere and you're there for a few years and get it off the ground and running right. And then it's time for the next challenge. And uh, that's valuable when you look at like the body of work over 35 years. Well, and you know, you get into that and God bless. I, you know, I married up. There's no doubt about that. Oh, you've been married to the same woman for 43 years. You know, you, you're guys special. Yeah. And she uh, chased me around the state of Iowa a lot of times and uh, allowed me to chase that football dream, you know, and just move up the ladder and do the things that you need to, that I felt I needed to do. And, and she did. And, and at the time it was tough, but it helped her build a resume. And that's how we end up in St. Joe, Missouri, wow. following her around. And um, so she's the top of her field in the country. And now I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm Denise Schrader's husband. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a role it's been a role reversal that's been yeah. fun it's yeah been fun. that's awesome yeah. well uh we can get started here or whatever but again yeah. really appreciate you joining us in the classroom today and then coach Schrader I think anybody who's been in the business for over 30 years has a lot to offer especially other younger coaches that are trying to have that 30-year career so we really appreciate it, and you're a little more colorful than our typical guests, which I really appreciate, too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Off-color at times, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Coach Schrader is, is at Savannah High School in Missouri right now, but Coach, you've kind of been all over the state of Iowa. We're just talking about that with your wife and all the moves. I know you, you were at my hometown for a little while, small town in northwest Iowa called Cherokee. You got your start in Dow City, which is a, a blink of a town about 10 miles from Denison, where I'm at right now. Tell us a little bit about your coaching journey and where it's taken you in life. Oh, Jesus. I, have, I had to write it down because I'm sure I forget something. Uh, but, you know, I started, it was interesting because uh, when I came out of high, I came from a small town in, in uh, southeast Iowa, 200 people, cats and dogs. I mean, that, it literally is that small. My mom was the Avon lady and my dad was a mechanic. There is nothing in my background that says I should be sitting here doing a podcast with you guys. Absolutely nothing in my background. I was supposed to be either a mechanic or a truck driver. God bless them, you know, because they, uh, it helped me. But for some odd reason, a ball got in my hand and uh, and I was okay at doing that. And it was fun for me in a small town and you grow up and you know, I played for a Hall of Fame coach and Tom Stone at Pekin High School. And then my track coach, Davis Idol, was probably one of the most influential people in terms of, of my athletic career, uh, is still coaching uh, uh, cross country and track at Pekin. As a matter of fact, I think he won a state title in, in boys track two years ago. He's got to be in his 70s. Wow. I think he just, just did. He's got to be close to 50 or 60 years. National coach of the year. I mean, this guy is an amazing man. Finished one out as a race walker in the 72 Olympic trials. Wow. Um, it's a super, super, he's a biology teacher, a great man, and uh, probably has as much influence on my athletic career as anybody. And then I met my wife there. I married the homecoming queen. Oh, you know, nice. so, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things that you really can't make it up. I mean, because nobody would probably believe it, but uh, yeah. got involved in that and, uh, was kind of headed down the wrong path. I mean, I'm a knothead at times, and I've made a lot of mistakes. And I, a combat Marine from Vietnam, a guy by the name of Ronnie Shy, took me under his uh, wings when I was a senior in high school and really kind of straightened me out, gave me an opportunity. And 
and it taught me really what hard work was and dedication and sacrifice. And, you know, he spent time, he's in Vietnam, 68, 69. So he was there when it was really bad times and really taught me how to be a man. I mean, he really did. And uh, so when I got out of high school, I didn't go to college. I, I went to work uh, building bridges. I was a bridge. I worked on a bridge crew and uh, you were in mud up to your knees and, and swinging a, a mall and creosote burning you and uh, you know, those type of things. And, Drove a truck for a while, got and then uh, got on a survey crew and uh, was a rodman on a survey crew. And I went and asked for a uh, a raise, and the guy told me I didn't have any education, couldn't do it. And I went home to my wife and said, "I'm done, quitting. I'm going to go back to school." So I did, and uh, was going to get getting ready to play football, and got hurt in the weight room uh, doing deadlifts. And my coach Jim Spry at William Penn uh, came to me and he says, "Hey, do you want to coach?" I'm like, sure, absolutely. Well, I just been a hand in the dirt guy, right? I didn't. I had. I said, "What do you want me to coach?" He said, "Defensive backs." I said, "You got to be shitting me, really." <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what to do. I. He said, "Well, that, that's what I want you to do." He said, "It'll be good for you," and it was. And I, I got hooked up with a guy by the name of Ron Oswald. Ron was in the NFL for a while. He's a defensive coordinator to Indian Hills when he won a national title, and then he was at Drake for a while, and. Ron taught me how to coach, how to watch film. And that was the 16 millimeter days, right? Wow. Back and forth. And, and you sat in that room and it was black and white. There was no slow-mo. There was no stop pause. It was, you had the clicker and it was back and forth. And uh, he and I would watch film for hours. And he taught me really how to coach defensive backs and how to, how to, uh, how to watch film. And God bless Coach Spry and God bless Coach Oswald for giving me uh, those lessons at that time when I really didn't have a freaking clue. I mean, I didn't have a clue. And uh, I was into, into the weight room really big. And so they, uh, Coach Spry got fired after the biggest win that we had. We beat freaking Central College at homecoming on Saturday, and they fired him on Monday. And I'm like, you got to be me. I mean, this guy, you know, he had a tough time. But Coach Spry was an interesting cat because that was back in the day. So you got to remember, this is like 1980, 81. Um, he would sit in the locker room. I'll tell the story. God, coach, if you're watching this, hope you giggle. <laughs> because he would come in the end of the locker room. I got to tell this story. Strip completely naked, sit on a stool, and then light up a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'd be in the coach's room, and he'd be sitting there naked, smoking, and then we'd be talking football. And it was oh golly, I, I that that's a vivid image I have in my mind right now of that coach Spry sitting there, but uh, big shovel jawed man, tough guy and drove a big uh, blue uh, Oldsmobile 88. And that's what he took a recruit on the, on the East coast and a great man. But anyway, give me my start. And then I was a history major and you're know, going to graduate. And uh, they said, Oh, you're, you're ready for a head job. You're ready for a head job. And that I was not ready for a head job, but I took that Dow city job. And, um, Dave Sextro was the principal then, and Dave ended up being a superintendent up in Northern Iowa, and uh, and I'll come back I'll, I'll come back to Dave in a minute. So he hired me, and I was the head football coach, assistant uh, boys basketball coach, head boys and girls track coach. It was a seven period day. I taught six different preps, and my seventh period prep was uh, study hall supervision for twelve thousand bucks. <laughs> <laughs> So 
It was, it was, a, it was quite a deal. I went from 225 pounds down to 190 in one year. Uh, and God, I took my wife out of a great job in Ottawa, Iowa. We lived in a little on a farm house for 200 bucks a month. We didn't have a pot to piss in or when to throw it out of, man. We were poor. And then she got pregnant with my daughter and I'm like, what are we doing? And, uh, I was there for two years and, and coach knows, you know, Dow City is truly a spot in the road. You drive through it. That's just really all there is. The only great thing they had there, they had really good uh, bar that had great prime rib. And uh, they were kind of known for that. But it's right outside of Denison. So I was there for two years. And then uh, I went to Cherokee. Uh, I went up there as an assistant to Dave Holdeman. Dave Holdeman is a great football coach. He's retired now, living down in Texas. We had great athletes uh, when we were up there. We had uh, you know Adam Timmerman, who won, on, won a couple of Super Bowls. Won one with Green Bay, and I believe we won one with uh, then would have been the St. Louis Rams. Uh, we had the Wildeman brothers. Uh, Parker was an All Big Ten nose guard up there. Iowa's brother was an All American, South Dakota. I mean, we had really good football players, uh, good athletes, great wrestling, uh, really good track program. I uh, coached throws in the track. We had a state champion up there, and that was a, we had a great time in, in Cherokee. That was a great three years. Uh, I learned a lot from Dave. I learned a lot of things about a lot of things. I mean, it was uh, tough kids, just tough, hard-nosed kids. And then after three years, I went down to Clarinda, which is about uh, an hour here from Savannah, in southwest uh, Iowa. Spent five years as a head coach down there. I was an assistant basketball coach there, too, and I was also the head track and field coach. And I did that for a while. And, uh, again, we had some success, and we took a program over that was okay, and we ended up in the semis, and, had some great athletes. B.J. Windhorse, who's now the head basketball coach at West Des Moines Valley, uh, played for me. What a great athlete. He ended up being a great basketball player at Drake. I was always pissed at him because he, he could have went to Iowa State, and I think he'd have been an All-American receiver. But <laughs> I didn't talk to him for three years after he graduated. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? But then he had a great career at Drake. And, uh, we keep in contact quite often. So from there, I end up in the Quad Cities at North Scott. And that might be one of the better ones that we had. Um when I went to North Scott, they had not had a winning football season. I had guys on my staff had not had a winning football season in 18 years. Mm. You know, that's a long time for guys to stay there and grind away and not have a winning season. And uh, first year, we weren't very good. We didn't win a game. We're in the midst of a 20-game winning streak and then uh, our losing streak. And then we uh, ended up winning a game and ended up four and five. And then we finally broke through in a couple five and four seasons. And then we went the other way. And this is where, when you get into this prior to podcast, and this is where we went to every clinic you could get to try to get the spring ball. There's a guy by the name of uh, Bob Reed. Bob Reed was the head football co coach at Augustana college in uh, rock, rock Island, Illinois. And uh, division three school. He had been at Geneseo, Illinois and won like 64 straight a couple state titles, maybe one state title there. And they hired him at, at, uh, at Augustana and he won four straight division three national titles wow. at Augustana. Wow. Uh, and that, and so you talk about the Delaware wing T and the wing T and is there's the Augustana wing T that's where that's. And that was coach Reed. It's the Augustana wing T. So we were coming up a two and seven season. We had had some kids that had gotten hurt and we just, I just didn't feel good. So I called him up. I said, coach, I need some help. I said, I just can, would you come over and spend some time with my guys? Can you come over? And I said, I'll pay you whatever. And he says, you know, here's the deal. And Geneseo was probably a 45 minute drive from Eldridge, Iowa at that time. So I'll come over and buy me dinner. I said, no problem. So he spent 
probably six hours with us that day. And the first two hours was just with my staff, uh, just talking about, you know, loyalty and responsibility and how to do this and that. And then he, then we got down to the X's nose of things. And it was really interesting because he ran double dive belly to the right. He ran wing T to the left. I said, it can't be that easy. So I'm telling you, that's what we do. We double dive belly to the right and we run wing T place to the left. And I just, I, I'm rolling this in my head thinking, well, gee, okay, the guy just won four straight national titles. Joe Paterno is flying him out to Penn State to give, you know, I'm like, there might be something to that. So we just kind of scrapped everything. We went double wing and we ran belly to the right and wing to the left. My God, we won the uh, uh, conference championship and first time in school history went to the playoffs. Wow. And it was, we just simplified everything. Yeah. And that really started our lessons more. Uh, philosophy so that would have been in 90 the 98 season i think it was uh and we began to get more simpler and more fundamental just on the basics in the weight room too mm-hmm. and so every place i've been to backtrack a little bit it's always been built around our strength and conditioning program you know i just think that is so important that you the discipline and the accountability and those things that you instill in a weight room uh, with those kids so we spent nine years there uh, then I got out for two years. I became a central office administrator. So they stole all of my intestines and my heart and stuck me in an office. Oh. <laughs> I was the <laughs> athletic director for the Danport schools. And uh, Danport uh, Public Schools is, is uh, in the Quad Cities, and there's 15,000 kids. So I was responsible for three high schools, with one of them, Danport West, being the second largest high school in Iowa, six intermediates all the coaches, buses, budgets uh, for that. From a professional standpoint, best move I ever made because I learned a ton of stuff from a public relations standpoint to how to deal with school boards, to those type of things. Personally, it was horrible because it was a neighboring district and I left my son in, in at North Scott and I didn't have the opportunity then to coach him. So if there's young guys out there, listen to this, or if you're a dad, coach your kid you're never going to get a second chance. And that was the biggest mistake that I made. He was a good player. He could have been a really good player. Um, so after two years, they decided to eliminate that job. So I'm like, what in the world? What am I going to do now? So they made me the athletic director at Danport West, huge school, and they needed a football coach. And I thought, well, heck, I can, I'll just do both. Just hire me to do that too. <laughs> I, do that. I was the only, I was the only AD head football coach at that level in the state of Iowa. And uh, I would admit it is probably impossible task because I, I bent over backwards not to play favorites to the football program and take care of everybody else. Right. Uh, so I probably neglected the football program. And, but we had some success. And we took a – Paul Flynn was head coach before I got there. Paul was going through some tough times. And we improved that. So we were, we were three and six. And what did we go? We went, we went three and six, three and six, four and five. And I had a great staff. I'm the best staff I'd ever had. Uh, up to that point, working for me. Chad Remmert, who's now the defensive or offensive coordinator at Cedar Falls, is on that staff. Skip Eckhart, Eckhart, which I don't know, Coach, if you're familiar with him. Skip's been all over the – he went to state title at Schleswig in the 80s. Oh, they still talk about that around here. Yeah, he's my son's godfather. Yeah, he's been okay. – at Skip is Skip is uh, one of a kind. He had – I ended up <laughs> – I can tell you, Skip, that, that's a whole different podcast. Just tell you stories, Skip stories. I mean, he's just that. We'll, we'll pencil that one in. That's good. He, yeah. He, yeah, I tell you what, the guy is horrible at, at, uh, at marrying women. I think he's been married four times. But, man, can he coach football. 
Uh, he, is, he is an amazing football coach. Uh, you know, what, like I say, won that title at Schleswig. I think he's at Cresco now. That's where he's from. Okay. He ended up taking that Cresco job back. But So we were there three years, and then we did the role reversal coach. You know, here's the, you know, my wife got recruited to Rockford, Illinois. Um, Rockford uh, at that time was, was known as the number two murder capital in the world per capita. So <laughs> it's a great uh, – <laughs> She gets a big health system. And so I'm sitting there going, what the heck am I going to do? You know, but you know what? She followed me all those years and it's, you know, it's time to do it. I said, you let's go, let's do it. So this, this might be uh, one of the more interesting stories. So I'm looking for a job. I get offered an assistant principal's job at Rockford Guilford. I think there's four or five public schools in Rockford. And then I did some research in Rockford college is a really small division three school there in Rockford. And, Hell, they had a football team. And I'm thinking, what this? So I do a little bit more research, and I knew the head football coach, uh, Mike Hoskins was his name. He was the defensive coordinator at Loris. He's at Hempstead now, I think, as the head coach. And uh, so I called Mike up. And I said, hey, I'm coming to the area. I said, you know, you got anything going on here? He says, yeah. He said, will not you? I got a position open. I'm like, okay, uh, tell me what. He said, what's the offensive coordinator? I said, well, coach, I'm a wing T guy. I said, you're playing at the college level. I don't know how this could work. You know, I – I, I don't have to throw the ball. We're not going to do it. So it doesn't make it. No, no, no. It'd be great. Come on. I'll hire you. Well, come to yeah, the college was in bad uh, financial shape. All of his staff had left and it was just him and a GA. Oh, and so I'm like, well, I'm 50 years old at that point. And I thought, you know, I get one shot at doing this coaching gig, you know, yeah, it's college. Level. I'll take it. So literally, man, it happened this fast. I go in, it's just the last was like this time of the year. Kids are going to report in two weeks. Um, I go in and sign my, le- my tenure letter on Monday and Mike walks in and quits on the next day. <laughs> he, he followed his offensive coordinator to Southern Oregon and Mike's going to be the defensive coordinator. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I go, what just happened? And so their AD came to me and he says, well, you were kind of in a bind here. Would you like to, would you like to hit job? I can do it. Let's yeah, hire me. Let's see what we can do. So they hired me. I called Skip Beckhardt up. He was at Danport North. Then I said, Skip, we got one shot at this deal. One shot. I said, if we screw this up, they'll ne- another high school coach will never have another chance to get a head college job. I said, are you willing to come? I'm there. So he backs his stuff. He comes up. We hire a stipend guy couple stipend guys hired GA so we had I think we had three GAs they had two stipend guys and Skip and me <laughs> and we didn't even know one kid on the squad we hadn't got a reconditioning back we I mean we it was just it, it couldn't, I mean it's like rolling the dice and uh we were playing in the UMAC which wasn't a good football conference it was now there were some good Minnesota Morris was a good these are all division three schools it was a good football program uh, Northwestern uh, in Minneapolis is a really good football. Great, great uh, coaches up there. But there was other schools that could hardly field a team. Right? Literally, you could probably play backwards and win half your games. Hmm. Well, we ended up going seven to three and playing for the conference title. You know, and it's like next year we did the same thing, and then we went into a different conference. And you could, if you bit the collar, you guys understand this. It's all about facilities. You got to recruit to facilities. You know, you're putting a forty thousand price tag, a per year price tag on an education, and you're playing on a grass field in front of a thousand people in Rockford, Illinois. You're not going to be able to recruit anybody to there. So recruiting became a real issue for us. And I needed four years to get back into the Iowa system. Uh, 
to get vested in that and finish that out. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to give you a job in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So Washington, Iowa, which is 25 minutes from where I grew up, my wife and I grew up, job came open. And uh, ironically, the superintendent there was Dave Sexter, who hired me for my first job in Dow City. And I called him up and I said, Dave, I need to get back to Iowa. Uh, I see you got a job open. And it was a dean of students job. I said, I don't really want to get back in the classroom. You know, I have no desire to go back and stick a fork in my eye and teach ninth grade social studies right. because I've been an AD. You know, I've been a college AD. I mean, I was the AD at Rockford College, too, for three years. Uh, I just had no desire to get back in a classroom. He said, I'm sorry, well, we just, he said, we just filled it. Uh. I go, oh, wow, that's great timing on my part. I said, but <laughs> something happens. And this name will be familiar to you, Coach Story, uh, Don Knock. Uh, yeah. That took the job. And, and, and Donnie was at, well, you know, he did the GA route, was at Iowa State. And then I think he was a, uh, he, he had, was at Earlham or someplace up in there. And he ended up at Marshalltown, I think. But Donnie yeah, had won yeah. a state title at Grundy Center, I think. It's where Guthrie Center or Grundy Center. He was our director of football operations when I was on McCarney staff at Iowa yeah. State. And, right. uh, and then I went to a small school in Nebraska called Doan. And yep. after my coach went to St. Mary's, where your guys getting recruited at, yep. um, Fran, after Fran left to go to St. And actually it was William Jewell before St. Mary's. But Don Knock was a candidate for the Doan job. Uh, oh, really? He didn't end up getting it. I think they went with Tommy Frazier that time. That was awful, but that's a whole story for another day. <laughs> and Donnie and I, see, Donnie's a William Penn guy. He's a William Penn grad, and he was in the he was in the league with the Raiders for a little bit. He had a he had a cup of coffee, I think, in the camp with the Raiders at one time. Donnie's a good football coach, and and then lo and behold, I get a call back ten minutes later from Sexto. Hey, Donnie just turned us down. You want the job? <laughs> <laughs> I go, wow, yeah, it works out because in our travels. I had, we had never been closer than probably well, the closest we'd ever been to to our families was when we were in the Quad Cities, and that or yeah, and that was an hour and a half, two hour drive. Mm. So I'm 20 minutes away. My mom's in failing health. Uh, Denise's dad had just been diagnosed with cancer, you know, and, and so it gave us an opportunity, gave me an opportunity to move back down there. So we did a long distance romance. So I lived in Washington, she lived in Rockford. It was a three hour drive, doorstep to doorstep. Okay, so it worked. So. I, it was great. I, I found a little house uh, that never had a straight wall in it or a, uh, you could put a ping pong ball on one end of the uh, floor and it would roll downhill to the other one. Uh-huh. But I could walk out my back door and there was my practice field. There was the stadium and there was the weight room. Perfect. So it was perfect. It was yeah. perfect. And uh, my wife called it a weekend getaway. I just, well, the big things just don't fall on the floor and roll down and hit your head. You're going to be okay. But uh, we went down there, and I had we had a great four years. We did. I mean, Washington is a bunch, they're a bunch of tough kids. They had some tradition. They'd been in a little bit of turmoil. You know, the first year there, I think we were, we were three and six, and then we qualified for the playoffs. We ended up getting beat by Joe Hattishak's union team, who won the state title that year in 2011, I believe, is when, when Hattie won it. And we had him on the ropes, and he had some great kids that year. He had a kid in him going to Iowa, and they beat us. And then the next year, we were in the quarters. And then uh, in year four, we played for the state title and uh, got beat. We got got the snot beat out of us by Heelan. But, uh, you know, they, I don't know if anybody could have beat Heelan that year, but um, had a great four years. We sure didn't. We sure didn't beat Heelan that year. So. They were, I mean, they had kids, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. And uh, they took it to us. Um, 
really took it to us. But we had some great kids, had a great year, and uh, we were 12 and 2 that year. Got beat by Pella in the second game of the year, and then come back and beat them in the quarters, shut them out. And that was the first loss that Pella had then went on like that four year winning streak, four straight titles after that. Wow. He does a great job. Yeah, McKinstry, he is a great football coach. He does a lot of really good things. Uh, yeah, Pella. So then I retired in 14. I was retired for two months. <laughs> I became the uh, personal trainer for Rockford Health System. So I got the opportunity to work with overweight doctors, nurses, custodians, and I, I loved it. I had a, It paid me good money to work 25, 20 hours a week and set my own time, and I was living large, man. And uh, lo and behold, my wife gets a call, and they want her to come to St. Joe, Missouri, and I'm like, who in the hell moves to Missouri? And we did. <laughs> and... Uh, I volunteered down here my first year uh, for a little Catholic school. Um, Bishop LeBlond and Tony Dudick has been a, he was a St. Joe. He's a St. Joe legend down here. We're coaching down here forever was there. He had been a St. Joe central. And I, so I volunteered coach D line loved. It. I show up every day, you know, I get my practice schedule. I break my film down. I'd meet with my guys and bring them donuts. I had just in small schools. So I got like eight or nine guys. We're living large, man. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're fat and happy and just coaching D line. And I didn't have to worry about parents. I, you know, and I, I thought life was really good. And we played in the same conference as Savannah and Savannah was horrible. I mean, they, they were, they were freaking horrible and we beat them. Uh, the last game of the year. And then the, the job came open. So I'm thinking, do I want to get back into this or I want to keep what I'm doing? So I, my daughter, she lives in Waukee and my son, who's now down, he's a veteran. He just moved down here. And I, you know, I called him. I said, what do you think? My daughter goes, you're driving mom crazy. Go get a job. You need to get her out of the house. So uh, I applied and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, they hired me up there at Savannah. And, uh, and it's, it's been an interesting uh transition up there we're going into year three we were uh three and seven the first year we're eight and four last year and, and uh, we have a chance to be okay this year we've got some really good skill guys and i'm building a good staff a lot of young guys and so yeah that's where we're at now I'm sitting here talking to you guys <laughs> long story short it's been a hell of a ride you know i mean it's, uh, and i tell my guys well, here's the thing you need to understand if if there's a mistake that's happened i've either made it or i've had to deal with it as an administrator yeah. There's not much that I probably haven't seen. Now it's, and that, and I call that wisdom rather than experience. I think that the wisdom part of that, this is what you do. You know, I, we've all, we all mellow. We all get smarter. We all believe coach like that less is more. They don't those kids up anymore. Yeah. You know, like used to. I mean, when we lift, we lift Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, they always got a three day weekend. You know, our, our workouts total from our, Warm up to our lift or our whatever we're doing that day is 90 minutes. That's a long time for us. That's the transition and moving this and that was less than an hour, probably total. We try to get out the practice field and in an hour, in an hour and a half, an hour, 45 and two hours. Never go to, I mean, all those things that people look at you now, like, what the hell are you doing? You know what? I, I don't, it works. Yeah. It freaking works, you know, just be great at the fundamentals. Then we're going to be okay. So yeah. One of the things I appreciate about where you've been and what you've built, Coach Schrader, is you kind of have a cliche. Garrison Carter and I talk about it. It's like traitorisms. And uh, one of them is that you don't build a house on a shitty foundation. And 
Right. Tell me a little bit about that and how you've been able to change that from Savannah, from their old culture to what you're building now. And, and you can't. If you build a program on sand and you leave, it's gonna it's just going to fade away. It's going to crumble, and the next guy's going to have to redo it. And so our job, and we've always felt that kind of our mission, you know, our charge when we come into a place is let's get a really good foundation built. It's really solid so the next guy that can come in, you know, he can tweak it, put his own flavor to it, whatever he wants, but needing to understand uh, that there's the basics are in place. And I think, I truly believe it starts with your strength and conditioning program. And that's always been kind of the thing I, I've, I've hit, I put my hat on, hung my hat on, is that you get kids in the weight room, and you don't need to kill them in the weight room. I've been a bigger, faster, stronger guy for years and years and years. And we basically use that program, you know, three by three. We modify because we're kind of in season all the time. Three by three, you know, three by five, five, four. We do five, four, three instead of ones and then 10, eight, sixes. And we, did, we go to eight, six, four when you go to your in season kids. But we're usually three sets, you know, a couple of auxiliaries, a lot of mobility stuff now because you find kids have horrible hips. They're horrible at hip flexibility and mobility, horrible at in their in their backs and scaps. You know, they're just so tight. Everybody wants to bench press. Nobody wants to pull. Nobody wants to squat to parallel. You know, they don't want to do those things. I just think that you get that accountability in the weight room. Now, before I come to Savannah, we always did our lifting in the mornings. Mm -hmm. I just it just what we did. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story about this. When I was in Washington. Well, when I was at, at North Scott, Mark Schilb, who was a quarterback at Clarinda, who'd been all over, too, in Missouri as a head coach, and he was head coach at Clarinda for a while. He's now at West Des Moines Valley as an assistant. Come up to see our program at North Scott, and we had, you know, about 95 kids there at 5.55 in the morning getting ready to go to weight room. Mm. You know, and that's an impressive sight, you know, when you get that many kids at that time of the morning. He goes, Coach, how do you do it? I said, here's what we do. We just make sure if you're not there, we're going to call your ass. Where are you at? You need to be here because this is the only time we're going to do it. And I, there are no conflicts at six o'clock in the morning. None. None, zero. The only conflict is you getting your ass out of bed. That's it. So we, I was always a morning guy. Put our kids in there, and they were done at the end of the, you know, at the end of the school day. They go do what they want to go with other sports. You couldn't. I never wanted a kid to tell me or tell another coach, well, I can't go out for basketball or wrestling or track or baseball, or whatever, because I have to lift weights after school. No, you don't. We're going to lift in the morning. You you get involved in those other sports because your linemen need to be wrestlers. Your quarterback should be the point guard on the basketball team. Your shooting guard is going to be the shortstop on the baseball team, and everybody needs to run freaking track. Yeah, agreed. You know, so you know it. You know, and and our track when I was a throws coach in Iowa, you know, you can't have contact. But our track program as a throws coach was spring football because all of my linemen were throwers. Oh, yeah. They were all out, and so that gave us a chance to do some stuff with them in the weight room, Olympic lifting that we didn't necessarily have time to do, and work on that explosiveness and do those type of things. So, don't tell me you're just a football player, but, you know. There, I, I've yet to see just a football player in high school. They need to be a multi-sport athlete. They need to be out, and so I, I hung my hat on that on that strength and conditioning program. Now, the advantage that we have at Savannah. And now we were one of the first schools in Iowa to implement a strength and conditioning class. Hmm. And Brent Butcher, who's now the athletic director at Dallas Center Grimes, uh, was our guy that run that and did a great job for us. Yeah. And so at Savannah now, when they hired me, I told him, I said, I have no desire to be a full-time teacher. I don't want to do that. I'm not in this for the money. 
I said, but you, I know you got the wage class and I would be interested in a part-time deal. So four mornings, four periods in the morning, I run the weight strength and conditioning program up there. I, I write all the programs and, and, and do all the mobility work for them. And so we had, we have all of our kids in the, in, in the weight room during the day, except for one or two. Oh, wow. So of the 75 kids we have on our football team, 73 of them are enrolled in the class. That's amazing. It is. And, you know, it, it's taken us a while to get there. You know, yeah. the first year was, because it was such a cluster to begin with. I was a head coach at our seniors in their, in their high school career. That is unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable for that to happen. So, yeah, I think if you get in that strength and conditioning program, and I, it, where I was going with that is when I was at Washington, and we're going into year four, and I would always go over and try and do the elderly call it a workout, what I do now. It's really nice. It's, really, it's a lot of movement rolling around on the ground and trying to get up and uh, a lot of spit going on, and we're going from there. But I go over and get my workout done, and we lift at where everything's on savage time, right? Five minutes later, yeah. you're, on, you're on time, you're late, you're five minutes late, you're forgotten. So we start at 6 o'clock, which is 5.55. Hey, Say your catchphrase for Savage Time again, because I wrote it in my journal when I heard you speak the first time, and it's gold. I think other people would gravitate toward it, too. Yeah, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're five minutes late, you're forgotten. Mm. So if you're if we if, if I say it's six o'clock, it's five fifty-five. Everybody knows that. So you know, I tell our kids, practice starts at four. What time are you gonna be here? Four fifty-five. You know, wow. training room opens at four. What time are you gonna be here? Three fifty-five. You know, it's, it's just tough. You know, Lombardi time, whatever they want to, you know, it was just 15 yes. minutes early, you know, Tom Coughlin had his, whatever it, ours is always at that five minutes early, you're on time, you're on time, you're late, you're five minutes late, you're forgotten. So. Yeah, we always got told when I played is you, our head coach would look at us and he's like, you better set your watch to my watch, because this is the one that matters. <laughs> and the great thing now, uh, you know, you put that time in your phone and it's like, so our, our lift starts at 630 in the, in the morning in the summertime. So my phone is set to go off at 625. When that sucker beeps at 625 and I blow the whistle, if your ass isn't there, you're spinning the wheel and you're late. That's wow. just the way it is. So uh, we don't have many kids late. I, I got that from Garrison, Coach. Uh, the yeah. Wheel of Misery, we call it. And uh, <laughs> that has really calmed me down a lot. Because if, before, I would chew the face right <laughs> off before late. Well, now it's just, I just point, they go over and spin the wheel. Wow. You know, and it's been a great deterrent, you know, and sometimes, you know, somebody come in, all the kids would be over there hooting and hollering, what's he going to get? What's he going to get? What's he going to get? It would be, oh, God, you got body weight, Tabata, that's horrible. You're going to hate it. <laughs> well, let me, I got to ask you this, Coach, and Coach Tori has shared some stuff, but you have kind of a, a, a written rule, I think, for coaches that are on your staff. Uh, can you share that a little bit with us of what, What's expected of your coaches, or what's not expected, actually, of your coaches well, that are on your staff? Yeah, you, you can't coach without a whistle, and you can't coach with your hands in the pockets. Can't do it. It's, it's impossible. And the best what, best guy with this, you need to talk to Donnie Mix about that. He was my old line coach um, when I was in Washington. Donnie's a great offensive line coach. I mean, he, he just a great offensive line coach. And and that's still a point of contention. When I ever, whenever I go back down there and we get in Coach Hoffman's garage who was my defensive coordinator and we start uh, drinking adult beverages and libations begin to flow and then then it's like proof serum that but they always embellish the story right because half of it's bullshit it really didn't happen they've just continued to add on to these stories through the years they've gotten 
unbelievable. And one time we're playing Mount Vernon and uh, we're not playing real well. And I go, and Donnie, for some reason, had his hands in his pockets. God bless it, Donnie. You can't coach with your freaking hands in your pockets. And that's always, <laughs> that's always, always been that way. You just, and, and, and you can't, you can't coach with your hands in your pockets. You know, it's, and I've always told the coaches this. There's two things that happen on a rep. It's either good or bad, mm-hmm. right? You're either correcting or you're praising. Yeah. One of the two, you know. And we have a rule in our in our, in our staff too that you need to have a freaking whistle. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't coach without a whistle. I can't be the only one blowing the damn whistle out there all the time. Get a freaking whistle. So I buy two dozen whistles every year. I get two dozen whistles and two dozen landers. Everybody gets a new whistle every year, every year. And the other thing is, you got to have a practice schedule. Yes. I don't know you know what you're doing if you don't have a practice schedule yet. Where are we going next? Where are we going? Where are we going here? Why are we going there? So, but one of my, you know, we have a coach's handbook with this. <laughs> you got to, you know, you got to have it. I mean, you go to the time to put together a practice schedule and plan a practice out, be prepared. And, and, you know, you got to, you've got to stress the fundamentals. Everything starts with stance and starts. Everything, that first five minute period is, Fundamentals, 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 mm-hmm. fundamentals. You cannot stress it enough. Uh, and the other one I think that needs to be shared, and I, I think I, I just talked a little bit of this at clinic. And this has saved me. I, I, will, I can't tell you how much heartache and, and saved our coaches' heartache. When you really get after a kid, I mean really unlace him. You better find him before he goes home. Mm-hmm. Put your arm around him. Tell him you love him. And say, hey, I, I'm trying to make you better. You know, you need to understand it's not personal. And because what ends up happening is you chew a kid. He goes home that night. Mom or dad says, how practice go? Oh, I had Coach Schrader. He's blah, blah, blah. You know, Coach Weaver, boy, he's really a horse's ass. He just chewed me out and blah, blah, blah. They, they're formulating their opinion about you right now, you know. And, he, and in today's world, they're calling the AD or they're doing something. Yeah. But if you put your arm around that kid and you tell him you love it, and, he, and that kid goes home and they go, how did practice go? Hey, you know, practice went well, you know, I made some mistakes, but, you know, Coach Weaver, he's a good guy. Yeah, I think that you know, gets really into like the, I think that gets into the personal relationship, too, with the kids these days, where yeah. when, when they go into work, say, after they leave high school football and uh, they go and get a job or something and they get that no or they get disgruntled at work, they can think, hey, you know, this coach, and you can form relationships where they can call you back and say, coach, yep. but it, it's big into forming relationships, letting them know, you know, I'm going to chew you a little bit because I want you to be better. And, but at the end of the day, I'm going to love kids. Yeah, uh, and, and absolutely. Our head coach told the kids this and let them know, you know, he's he's won everywhere he's been. Um, and, and the biggest thing, he goes, if I'm not getting on you, then that's when I would be worried. I think we talked about this last night with our team, and we try to have something that, you know, everybody goes with their core values. But I I, I, I smoked a freshman last night pretty good. I mean, I did. And, and, and my thing, and I always tell kids this, you know, attitude and effort, you control it. Yep. Attitude and effort. Here's what you can – every day, you know, I'm going to bring you my best. Now, I'm an old bastard, you know, so it's hard for me to get my juices going here. But, you know, you're going to get what I got. You know, I may wear out after 30 minutes, but by golly, you're going to get what I got. Five guys in front of him run a drill. He got up and run the drill wrong. That's inexcusable to me. That's five, You had five opportunities to learn to drill. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I, I blistered him. And then I grabbed him afterwards, and, I, you know, and we're talking. I said, you know, said, uh, uh, his name's Brushwood, so I call him Bushwood after freaking Caddyshack, right? I said, oh, Absolutely. <laughs> 
said, you know, I love you. I said, but damn, I said, you watched that drill five times in a row. And he said, coach, don't worry about it. My grandpa cusses at me all the time. <laughs> okay, okay, Bush, but you need to understand, brother. I love you, and you're going to be okay. And he had a big smile on his face, so I know walking off that field last night, that kid felt good about himself. And this is a relationship-driven business, Absolutely. period. Everybody knows coaches that can get on a board and baffle you and go, wow, that is amazing. How do you? I could go set with people, and they're growing stuff on a board. I don't have a freaking clue what they're doing. I'm like, holy crap, man. I must be the dumbest freaking guy on the planet because I don't, I can't understand this. But I know what I know, and I know how to, how to build relationships. My mother always told me this, and I, we've always kind of, this has always been kind of our mantra. You know, God bless her soul. She died in 2013 on our championship run, but uh, she always used to would tell me and my brother and my sister, said, you not, nobody is better than you, but you're better than nobody else. Hmm. And we've always just kind of lived by that. You know, just be humble, be hungry, work your tail off, get your head down. Things, good things are going to happen. And and that's, I, I truly believe that, you know, it's, we're judged on a Friday night by what happens between 7 and 9.30 in a 48-minute football game for two and a half hours. And that's six, you're judged by that. And there are people that have no idea who you are except right. for what they see on that sideline. You know, they don't see the time you put in the kids. They don't see the, the, the Shoes you buy, the food you do, the money you do, and you don't yeah. do it for people to notice. No. You don't to notice. But that is what that is what coaching and teaching is all about. It's yeah. not about what I can draw on a board. Oh, ultimately we're going to be judged by our by, by people by the W's and L's. I mean that you know that's what they look at and go, geez, you know, you didn't even won that many games. Well, if you've been in some of the shitty places I've been, you wouldn't have many games won either. You know, you need to <laughs> take a look at where we started and where we ended up. You know, right. that's. And then the emails you get, as a matter of fact, last night at practice, we're standing getting practices over. We had somebody come up and start, talk, you know, kind of bump into me and start talking. I turned around. It was a kid I coached in Clorinda when I left there in 91. Mm -hmm. I had not seen that kid in that long. His daughter was trying out for a softball team in Savannah. He came across some we were practicing, come up and talk to me. That is what coaching is all about. Yes, no doubt. He is now a father with, with two kids and, and a successful farmer that you know that he he took the time to come over and talk to me i'm being in town scotty's told me i told my wife i never taught practicing football i think coach Schrader's down here i'm gonna go see and those are the things that you cherish yeah and that's what you coach tory and i talk about intentional relational leadership where exactly. you get to the heart of the kid the kid trusts you so from 91 to 2019 you coached him you had an impact on him so now he's just there for his daughter, sees his old yep. football coach, and goes over and says, hey, and that's that's all that, that's all any coach should ever want. You made that kind of impact on a kid that I want to go and say hey to coach. Because, look, I told, I've told i said this on a previous episode, is I didn't even know my head coach had a first name. It was always Coach Morgan. So, yes. you know, it, it's you still apply him as coach, and they're, they're your coach uh, for yep. life. So what an awesome story. Well, and, and the thing is, I couldn't remember this kid's name. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. I knew his nickname was Pup because his older brother was Dog. <laughs> awesome. So I'm sitting there going, what the hell is this? I know it's Pup, Pup. His last name is Price. Pup, Pup. Oh, Dave, Dave, Dave Price. <laughs> you know, that's what you know, He's like, oh, shit, how am I going to introduce this kid? So I kept introducing my coaches, hoping he was going to introduce himself as, yeah. as Dave Price. <laughs> I was pulling that, you know, 
Yeah, oh, we'll make this work here, you know. But finally, Donovan, <laughs> Dave, Dave Price, yeah, absolutely, Coach. It's you know when you get that email from from somebody you haven't heard, haven't seen in thirty years, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just finally tracked you down. Yep. You know, uh, I just had that happen just not too long ago. A kid that runs a construction company in North Liberty now, and he tracked me down, and I and, and I left there when this kid was a sophomore in high school. Yeah, you know that happened to you, me uh, last no two years ago. We had a kid that played for us, and he was working construction, and I was at the Wendy's, and I was in there, and he came behind me and kind of grabbed me, and I was like, "What in the world?" <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, I turned around. It was a guy that we had coached, and he goes, I, "I just, I said, what are you doing, Jamarian?" And he told me what he's doing. He goes, "I just want to thank you for the what you poured into me." Yep. And you know, at that point, I was like, "Well, come on, let me buy your, let me buy your Wendy's. What are you getting?" Yeah. You yep. know, it just we build those relationships, and they last a lifetime. And you know why you can run for a month on a compliment like that? Yep. That's it. Yep. And there's a couple of things about that, too. I mean, one, you never know when the wisdom we're sharing or when our message, you never know when it's going to sink in. It could be that moment. It could be 10 years later. It could be well into adulthood, maybe even after you're gone. But the second thing is what makes those interactions so powerful is how many times have you seen former athletes out and about and they don't come up to you? Mm. Right. And good men, and like, I was just going to say, there's the, there's the there's the there's both sides to right. that too. You know, the impact you make in a positive way, and then that, you know, it goes back to that do no harm philosophy, right? That's what you're trying to do, and you never know. And I, I think that's where that when you put your arm around that kid, if you get after him, it, it, it helps bring that back more into that relational that relationship that you're trying yeah. to build with that kid. Because yeah. if you just let him go, and it, especially today, I just think that. With the blasting of the social media and how uh, you know uh, you can you can be in t- uh, just horribly mean and never have to own it. Yeah, you know, well, and, and then you can get we, on and do those things. We also talked about how much negativity is out there. Oh boy, and, it's just horrible. And you want to leave that kid, like you said, Coach Schrader. You want to leave that kid with you on a positive note, just like you don't want to go to bed mad at your wife. Right. You know what I mean? Same deal. I wouldn't want to do this. I'd probably wake up with a steak knife in my chest, so I'd never go to bed with my wife. (laughs) And anymore, as the American family continues to erode and fall apart, you can't even guarantee that you've got that amount of time from when they leave the locker room to when they get home because they might be sitting out in the parking lot texting right away. Uh, Yeah, uh, Yeah, you're right. Everything is moving at warp speed now. Yeah, this, you know, it just, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, uh, friend of mine is a head basketball coach and he got they were having this is just a few years ago i'm well probably longer than i think now i guess but three or four or five years ago probably and he got went off at a hat at halftime because they weren't playing very well while some kid had taken his phone out and videotaped it yeah and, uh, you know he throws dropped some f-bombs and then it ended up in the superintendent's office and he ended up getting suspended for a couple of games you know and wow uh, I mean, I played for Tom Stone. Now you got to remember, I played in the late '60s and '70s, and you know that's when you didn't get water if you didn't work hard. I mean, that was just the way it was. You know, nobody's getting to drink today because we aren't running fast enough. Then you're over there yeah. trying to lick the freaking dew off the <laughs> off the freaking grass. You know, like holy, <laughs> you talk about cotton mouth. I mean, that's yeah. where it, it was horrible. And uh, I can remember being at halftime, you know, or even during a practice, and and. I mean, physically getting grabbed and, and smoked. And even when I first started coaching, grabbing a face mask was not uncommon. You grab a kid's face mask and look at me. You did that today, and, you, and you're going to be 
in the front page of the paper. Somebody's got to put it on video and you're on social media. So yeah. you are under the microscope at all times. And, I, and it's, it's changed for the good, for the good uh, of the game on how you approach and correct and do those things. But I still think, you know, you, it goes back to, I think it was Don James when he was at Washington and he made that, uh, he had a thing, he told parents all the time, your, your son, when he comes to Washington, comes to Washington, will be coached very enthusiastically. Mm. So that's what we tell parents, we're going to coach your son very enthusiastically. Now, it may not look that way to you, but <laughs> our right. coaches are going to try and treat every one of their, our, your, our players as their own son. Wow. You know, coach your, coach, your, coach your player as you would your own son. Yeah. And uh, it, you're going to be tough on your own kids. You're going to love them up. And I think that's so important is, is that. But how many today you've got – with mental health issues with kids, you know, and, and everything that we're dealing with, the depression and anxiety, you know, you don't know, you don't know how, you know, how your words are going to affect you. And it may be the best thing that kid does all day is come in contact with you. So you've got to take advantage of those things. You just have to. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. I'll tell you that I've gotten a lot smarter. Um, well, and, I'm not a very smart guy. I can tell you that. Well, I've I gotten smarter. Work at it. Well, and you know, uh, that's the whole deal of our culture classroom is for our listeners to come in and to get 1% better and to gain yep. something, uh, from coaches across this country, especially coaches like you who are builders and you understand what it takes to win and you've taken crap and you've made it into, you know, crowns. So, Coach, I, I just applaud you and, and thank you for your time uh, for today and, and the gems that you've dropped on us. Uh, we love it. Uh, there's there's one question we always ask every um, uh, yes. guest. Sorry, I'm a brain winner. I got to say, my hair started to grow a little bit on my head, so I had to give my brain a break for a second. Um, we ask our guest, and that's about your carrying trademark. And Coach Tory describes this a lot better than I do. Um, so, Coach Tory, yeah. So, carrying trademark is just something that you do that separates your leadership from someone else's. Um, purple is a really hard color for me to get into. Everywhere I've been has been red or black or both. And so, when I came here, I started to distinguish myself by wearing purple shoes. Coach Weaver has inspired me to by writing game day notes to all of his athletes. Uh, what's something that you do that separates Randy Schrader from everybody else? Well, and you guys, if you'll send me your email address, I send out a quote of the day every day. And I've got about 110 people now. And I, and I tell you how that got started. Roger Freeborn was a longtime, bigger, faster, stronger clinician. And Roger and I became really good friends. He's out in Oregon, uh, suffers from cancer right now. God bless him. Yeah, great football coach. Uh, and won some state titles. And it, and it has an Iowa connection. And I believe he was at Missouri Valley at one time, Coach. I mean, you might want to do some research on that. Roger Freeborn. Okay. Uh, he put out a B and 11. And, and, uh, and Bigger, Faster, Stronger has a B and on a scale of 1 to 10, B and 11, right? Do whatever it's got to do, above and beyond and those type of things. So uh, I kind of took that over from um, – just, I just started doing it myself. Just, and I call it B and 11. It's just a quote of the day. And – and, I, and, I, and it, you know what? It, it, it's it's widespread. I mean, it goes all over the country. It goes Iowa, California, Colorado, New Jersey, Florida. I got guys that, you know, family members, former players, uh, just acquaintances that I send that out to. 
um, and and try and try and make an impact on people that way every day. And then we we have team app mm-hmm. is how we communicate with our team and parents and stuff. And I send out a a, a, a thought of the day there uh, to all of our players and parents as they go through that. And our coaches are on that and that type of thing. So. You know, some people, you hope that everybody reads it, but you know, there's a certain percentage of people, they see that kind of delete, you know, once he got to say today, but I think if you just take that little bit, that 1%, whatever it is, uh, effort to try and touch people in a positive way every day, every day. And, uh, you know, you'll get a, a response back and almost say, Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to send this out. So my daily routine during this School years, I get up, roll down in my garage, roll around on the floor, try and work out the sweat and come back up. And I get on, I send out that quote. And I feel better for doing it because it forces me uh, to get in there and find dig and find stuff that's positive and the people can go with. And then I want to share that and go with that. And I'm a big note writer, too. I, you know, we had a, we have little note cards that we had. And I, I think that especially coming from a football coach, a head, the head football coach or the head track coach or or the head wrestling coach or whatever it is, sending that to a kid in the band, mm-hmm. vocal, debate or whatever, if they've done something good, hey, we appreciate you know what you've done. Congratulations on what you have. Yeah. That that that's mileage, guys. That's mileage. And you are going to feel a hell of a lot better uh, for doing those type of things. And I just think that the more that we can do with, do with that and show people that other side of us, yeah. uh, that you know we don't grow uh, horns and we don't suck blood out of people. You know, <laughs> Rick and Moon gets full that. Hey, maybe this guy's not that bad. And, and you always feel, you always feel better. I mean, this goes back to the old Zig Ziglar stuff, right? The first motivational book I ever, I ever read, ever got a hold of was Ziglar C at the top, hmm. you know, and you know, it's, you yes. know, people don't care, much, care, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and Ziglar, you know, when he wrote, wrote that book and I think I got that book in the early eighties and, uh, uh, that was kind of what launched me. And I've been into leadership and motivation ever since there, you know, and, you know, we talked to Frosty Westring stuff coach the other day, a little bit about that, get, make the big time where you are. And then uh, the, you know, the other one that he wrote, I, I sent that to, you know, and I was a big John Maxwell fan too. I really like Maxwell. Now, of course, everybody's a John Gordon guy and, Whatever's and there's so much out there right now. I'm, I'm yeah. a John Tory guy with more than the game. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I tell you what, coach, it's, I pass a lot of minutes on the elliptical reading your book. I really enjoy that. That's got those stories. And sometimes you read that going, Jesus. Yeah. I remember that now. I have, you know, it's got some really good stuff in it and I'm just about got that thing finished. And it, Thank you. it's, it's been a good ride with that book. You did a great job on that. So yeah, my thing is just every day I try to, I try to bring a little smile or a little happiness, or a little thoughtfulness mm-hmm. uh, to those people I send those out to. So, you know, that's uh, whatever that, total probably a couple three four hundred people that i try and get that in front of you know and uh, if i affect one i've done my job yeah. well you're gonna Just get mine i know that yeah i'll be on that yeah. list for sure all right you send that to me will do coach thanks you again thanks, for uh for jumping in on the show with us um i've had a blast and i got a lot better just, just really appreciate you coach schrader and uh, the influence that you've given to the game and dedication and and then making the big time where you are every stop you've been i I really appreciate about that that about you. And last Randy Schraderism I want to go into, and it's just a quick one, but it stayed with me and it's helped me become a better leader, is the reason football coaches are great leaders a lot of the time is because they make decisions. Yes. And 
so much of our society is paralysis by analysis or waiting or having a series of meetings to get to a conclusion. You know, you can't do that on third and fourth, the 20-yard line. No, you can't. And, you know, that's back in the day, short, you know, back, and you guys get back in the day used to be this. I'm going to tell you it was right, but I, I tell you, I, I believe that we were better because of it. Football coach became the AD, became the assistant principal, became the principal, became the superintendent. Mm -hmm. So we had a football coach in leadership roles that were making decisions. Yeah. And the decisions were, were not necessarily, you know, they may not be agreed with, but a decision was made and it was always for the benefit of the kids. They never forgot, never, football coaches in particular, but coaches in general, yeah. they don't forget why they got in this business is because of kids. That's and that's why, that's why we're here. You're trying to Im influence young men, young women, and everybody that you come in contact with in a positive way. And, and coaches make decisions. And by golly, we're not going to, hey, you know, analysis by analysis, or let's form a committee. That sounds like a good deal, right? Let's form a <laughs> committee. Let's talk about it. Then let's meet again in a week. And then half of the people show up. And let's try it. And then the other half show up. And, hell, six months later, you still haven't gone anyplace. Make a freaking decision. With it and let's go. And uh, we'll be okay. We'll get through it. That's just the way it is. You know, we'll get, yeah. knocked, we'll get knocked down. We're going to get back up. Because, yeah. you know, I'm just a tough old, old guy. You know, be as tough as a rusty nail. That's all you got to remember. Be as tough as a rusty nail. You'll be fine. Well, that's great. Really, really appreciate your time today. And, uh, gosh, I can listen to Randy Schrader all day, Coach Weaver. Same here. Same here. I got to go paint a bathroom. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> Y'all have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks, coaches. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, thanks, thanks a lot. We'll be in touch, Randy. You'll be Take care. Culture Classroom is supported by Laws and Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms, and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Laws and Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at LausanneLearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up.